Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Stone Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. C12, how are we doing tonight? We doing good? Man, it's so good to be here. Uh, the weather's getting warmer outside. I love it. Uh, who's here? Like, who's ready for spring just to be in full session? It's kind of like the wrong question. It's like more like who's ready for summer? Where are my summer people out in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, spring is like a, tra- what is spring? It's like a transition. I don't know. We just really want summer to be here. But when summer comes, it like gets me excited about uh, C12 specifically, because I get excited about our summer kickoff coming up on May, th- or not, yeah, May 26th. Uh, really, really excited for that. Uh, we got a lot of community events happening in the summer. Uh, got a lot of serving days. And so there's, there's all that we're just going to kind of unpack at a later time. But we're so pumped for that. But have you ever noticed like when you get ready, like for the next season, like you just want this season to be over with. You know what I mean? Like when you, when you're trying to like, man, I just can't wait till summer comes. You're like, dude, forget winter. I hate winter. Like, let's just skip this season. I just, I just want it to end maybe for right now, you know, right now, those of you in school. Okay. How many, how many people go to GDC, UNG in the room? Okay. School's about to almost end here soon. How many is like ready to be done with school? Like (laughs) you're like, praise Jesus. Amen. And amen. If it could have been done yesterday, I would have preferred that. Some of us just want school to end. Maybe for some of you transitioning in a job, you're going from one job to another. And maybe you're like, I just want this job to be, I just want this to end so I can step into my new job. Maybe for those of you engaged in the room, you're just like, dude, I want to be married. Like I'm just done with the planning. I'm done with all of that. We got a marriage in the house. Come on, let's go. Hey, give it for Gavin and Jen. They're getting married in in month of April. Maybe for those of you who are married in the room, you're like, I can't wait until me and my spouse can just get to this next season in my life. I'm so sick and tired of where we're at. See, we just do this all the time. We just can't wait for a season to end. And, and when you can't wait for it to end, you just kind of say, well, good enough. <laughs> like, I just, you know, whatever, good enough, get by. This is where I see it the most, okay? This is where I see the, just the, the, the good enough, get by. It's, it's in public bathrooms, <laughs> Yeah, you, you know where I'm going with this. You know, like there's some public places you walk into and you're like, dude, these bathrooms are great. Like, here's a fun fact about me. I love to just go into places. I don't just do this for the sole purpose of that, just so you know. But when I go into public places, I, I just, I see what your bathroom's like, you know? Is it sticky in the floor? Is it slidey? Is there poop on the floor from 2003? I don't know. Like, did we clean this place? <laughs> and usually when you go into a public bathroom, you're like, nah, that's kind of good enough. You go to that one sketchy gas station on your road trip, and you're like, I might get taken here or I might be the best experience. I don't know. <laughs> you can trust hole-in-the-wall places, but you can't trust a hole-in-the-wall gas station. Like candy's gonna be expired from 2004. It's gonna be off-brand Fanta. Like you don't know what you're gonna get. You don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> in those bathrooms, it's like a carving on the mirror. It's like Tommy and Jessica are in love. And you're like, what? There's like symbols carved. There's like a swear word on the bathroom stall, a bunch of symbols. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> Pretty sure someone died in here last week. Like I don't, I don't know, like I, it's just like whatever the bathroom is, like, oh, it's just good enough. It's just good enough. Maybe examples that are more personal. It's like when you're a college student, you always have like these dreams and aspirations just to get into the, you know, when you start the year and you're like, oh, I'm gonna be a straight A student. I'm taking everything with me. Yeah, and then by the end of the year, you're like, dude, if I fail this test, will I still pass the class? Like, dude, I know, I know some of you've done it before. It's like, don't act like we don't do this. You're like, man, if I didn't pass in those two assignments, like, am I still going to pass this class? Like, is it still going to be a thing? Maybe when you're in the, in the workplace and you're getting the seasons in your life where the job is just kind of dry and you're like, well, just, you know, good enough. Who cares? That project has passed it along. Good enough. Whatever. 
Maybe for some of you that are engaged in the room, maybe you just can't wait for this season to end. And so you're just like, well, I just, you know, good enough. <laughs> We're almost to the planning. Sure, whatever. I don't care. Whatever happens on that day. It doesn't matter to us. We just want to get married. It doesn't matter. <laughs> maybe for some of you that are married, just can't wait for this season to end so you can step into the next one. And when we start to just kind of say good enough, we just transition into a season where we're like, oh yeah, good enough, doesn't matter, who cares? And we just kind of live a life that has a mentality of just good enough. Like just, ah, good enough. Oh, I got some sin in my life, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm, I, I'm good enough. Yeah, I come to church. I, I, I'm in Bible studies. I'm in small groups. Like, I'm, I'm good enough. I, I, I kind of have it together. Maybe, maybe you don't really believe in this whole Jesus thing, but you're like, I, I'm a good person. Like I do good deeds. I, I, I'm, I'm not rude. I'm not, I'm not hurtful. Like I try to spread good things in the world. I try to be kind. I, I try to be a nice person. And maybe you said that about other people. Maybe you have like your grandma, your grandpa, your aunt, your uncle. Maybe there's people that you know that you're like, well, dude, they're, they're a good person. Like they give to charity. They're super generous. Like they're, they're super giving with their time. They do a lot of good in the world. And if we're just nice people, like don't good people go to heaven? Like, I just don't, don't be a rude, brash person. Just be kind and we'll all end up in the same place. I think there's a spiritual plague that's happening in our culture. And I think it's more like a hidden fog in our church. It, it tends to believe that good people go to heaven. That good people go to heaven. It can be easy to emphasize maybe one part of the gospel or to focus on one nature and characteristic of God. It can be easy to just talk about heaven and then we totally dismiss the fact that hell's a real place. Hell's not a part of our vocabulary. When was the time you sat down at a coffee shop and catch up with a friend? Hey, how, how was your week? Oh, no, man, good. I just think a lot about hell. Like, I don't, you know, like, <laughs> it's not a part of our language. It's not a part of our vocabulary. And I get the tension. As soon as we talk about, oh, hell, I'll mention that. Maybe you read that in scripture. You talk about it in our... And uh, in, in, in conversations, it brings like this tension. When we say hell, oh, we can't say that in a church. How oh, we're gonna scare people away? Growing up in VBS, I remember there was there's moments like this where it was like the turn or burn tactic. Like, you know, Satan would be dressed up as a figure, like walking through the aisles, you know. And as a kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. And they're like, who here wants to get life? I'm like, yes, me, please, me. <laughs> Maybe it's the bullhorn preacher that you see on the side of the road or maybe on campus and you see the person with the sign that says Jesus is coming. See, Jesus didn't use hell as a scare tactic. Jesus didn't use hell as a scare tactic. He described hell because he loved people way too much to see them sent there. It was fueled out of love, not fear. And if Jesus talked about hell, then so are we. If it's in the scripture, if, if Jesus talked about hell, then, then so are we, and hang with me. If we don't accept the reality of hell, then we'll never appreciate the power of the gospel. If we don't accept the reality of hell, we'll never appreciate the power of the gospel. And before we jump in, I just wanna pray over tonight. You might, you might know where I'm going with this. There's a couple of things that Jesus never said. He never said, good people go to heaven. There's not multiple roads. And maybe for some of you in this room, you're like, I'm questioning church. I don't really believe in this whole Jesus thing. I, I don't really trust the church. I don't, I'm still trying to figure this out. Maybe for you in this room, maybe you are a follower of Jesus. And maybe it's been a while. Maybe, maybe you just feel like I've been so distant from God. I've been so far from him. Maybe you felt like I just, I'm, I've been so removed from who he is. And, and, and maybe the gospel would just reignite something in your faith tonight. That maybe God needs to take you back to the place where you first said yes. 
And so I just want to pray. Let's just jump in. So God, we just thank you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for, God, anyone who's here tonight. God, whether they're far from you or close to you, God, we just are so thankful, God, for, for who you are, God, and your heart, your heart for people. And so, God, I pray, God, as your word goes forth, God, I pray that the gospel would ignite something in all of our hearts. God, we're not trying to control a spiritual narrative here. God, we just want to listen and, God, to engage in what you have. And so, God, may your gospel go forth. God, may we be attentive to it. And, God, may it just awaken things in us. And God, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's jump in. There's a couple of things Jesus never said. One, he never said that good people go to heaven. In fact, in Matthew 7, Jesus goes on to, to, to talk about this. He says this in verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 13. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What is he talking about here? Jesus is saying, well, narrow is the gate that leads to life. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the path that actually leads to heaven because that path is really all about Jesus. Jesus. It's to serve Jesus, follow Jesus, commit your life to Jesus. But what he goes on to say is wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. See, Jesus understood that life isn't just about here and now. When he's talking about eternity, when he's talking about hell, he's understanding, hey, I want you to get the picture that life is not just about when you're just born to when you come to die. And that's not everything that it's about. The life that we're living isn't all that there is. And the life that leads to destruction what Jesus is referencing is how the life that leads to life is, is what is through Jesus and what he came to do, which is eternal life with him in heaven. And, and if, if I'm honest, I think there's a couple tactics maybe that Satan would want to infuse in our culture to basically convince you that there's no hell. Like, let's just kind of pull it out of sermons. Let's pull it out of the church. Let's pull it out of, the, out of our culture. Let's not talk about hell. We don't take it seriously. Maybe it doesn't matter. And when this is out of our conversations, maybe we just choose to believe that hell isn't real. We just kind of live life however we want. We justify sin. We reject God. We become lovers of ourselves. We have no fear and no reverence for the Almighty. We have no fear and awe of who God is. Maybe for believers in this room, maybe out of that, we just live ridiculously self-centered lives. Maybe we idolize comfort. We reject sacrifice. We avoid persecution. We, we love the world and we hate God. We refuse to share the gospel. Man, if Satan convinced you that there's no hell, why would you share the gospel? When we don't accept the reality of hell, we neglect the power of the gospel and we forget why we're really here and what our mission really is. You weren't just meant to just go be a teacher. You weren't meant to just be a musician. You weren't meant to just be a doctor. You weren't meant to just be a college student, that God has something for you. It's a purpose bigger and beyond just an occupation. It's a calling to the mission of the church. It's actually the calling that the gospel, that we get to carry that wherever we go. It's not just meant for ministers in the church. It's not meant just for leaders or for residents. It's meant for anyone who's a follower of Jesus. We all have the same Bible, don't we? So why does hell exist? You might be like, well, we don't accept the reality of hell. We neglect the power of the gospel. But, but why is hell even there in the first place? You ever thought about that? Like, why is hell, why does it really exist at the end of the day? I might know that it's a real place, but why? If God's so good and so loving, then why, why would hell be a thing? Hell exists for God to deal righteously with Satan. Hell exists for God to deal righteously with Satan. And when I'm talking about Satan, I'm not talking about the, the cartoon Satan. 
You ever seen the cartoon Satan? It's like the little red figure. He's like a funny dude. <laughs> he's got the little pitchfork and he's like on your shoulder and he's like, yeah, be evil. <laughs> it's not the Satan that I'm talking about. It's not the cartoon Satan. Satan is the embodiment of all evil. Satan is the embodiment of all evil. In scripture, he's known as the destroyer, the deceiver, the dragon, the dark angel, the serpent, the adversary, the enemy, the tempter, the wicked one, the thief, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, the angel of the abyss. And he's behind every addiction, every abuse, every fear, every pain, every shame, every guilt, every condemnation, every murder, every genocide. And he's there to steal joy, just instill fear in your life, to put guilt and shame back into your life. He's there to kill faith, destroy health, sabotage marriages, take kids. Satan is the embodiment of evil. And this is what it says in Revelation 20. And the devil, so being Satan, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hell exists for God to deal righteously with Satan. Evil is wrapped in one person, that's Satan. He's the embodiment of all evil. The second thing, hell exists for God to deal righteously with unbelievers. Right when I say that, you might be thinking, like, that's not fair. That's not the God I know. That doesn't seem right to me. Like, how can a good and loving God send people to hell? Like, I'm not even God. I know that can't be the right thing. What about second chances? What about, what, what about God's grace? What about his mercy? You see this in 2 Thessalonians. It says, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. When we think of hell, you're like, God's not good. Like, God could not be that good. Why would God send people to hell? That, that doesn't seem like God is compassionate. And if you sit in these questions long enough, because I had them too, I had these questions about God's nature and his character. Well, if God is so good and loving and he's just and he's perfect and he's holy, then why would God, out of his mercy and out of his compassion, out of his kindness, like why would he send people to hell? And I start to argue about God's love and mercy and grace. And, and really what I do in the conversation is that I with, withhold justice. And it, it's impossible for God to be holy without being just. It's impossible for God to be holy without being just. And you might be thinking, well, what's God's actual desire? What, what is actually the heart of God? It says this in 2 Peter, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Let's all say that part out loud. Not anyone to perish. Let's do it. I count of three. One, two, three. Not wanting anyone to perish. That is the heart of God, not wanting anyone to perish, not anyone to be in hell, but for everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to come back to him. He wants everyone to know him, but he doesn't force it. We sometimes ask questions to God as if we're more compassionate than he is. Like, oh God, you, would you really send people to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. He gave you the same free will that he gave for everybody. You choose to accept that love or you don't. God loves you so much that he gave you free will that you would enter in a relationship with him, that you would say yes to him. He doesn't force it. 
But when we choose to not serve God and to yet serve ourselves, what we're really saying is, God, I, I want to have an, a relationship that's absence of you because I want it to be full of myself. It's the very thing that Jesus said. It's the very thing in the gospels that he warned us about. He said, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose or forfeit your own soul in the process. That you would lose your own soul in the process. What Jesus is saying, don't choose a life that is about yourself. Don't choose a life that is full of self. But would you choose a life that is actually coming back to me? Then you will actually find true life. And Jesus hits at this in the Gospels, talking about hell being a place of unspeakable torment, a fiery furnace, a burning sulfur, the gnashing of teeth. If you're like me, you know, I'm, I'm an Enneagram 7. I, I like to talk about heavy things pretty lightheartedly. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe there's a party in hell. Like, you know, it's a like, go to hell party. And, you know, I'll bring some balloons and some cupcakes and like, we'll all hang out. And it'll be, it'll be a fun little community thing. The thing about hell is that you're absent from God forever. Just imagine that. Gosh, that's a sobering thought. That you'd be absent from God forever. Isolation, total darkness, no light, no people, no hope. An angel actually described this in Revelation 14, they too will drink the wine of God's fury. I'm going through a lot of scripture because I, I really believe there's power in the word of God, not just in everything that I say, amen? Something about God's word, I, I want us, and even for our generation, I don't want this ministry to be a biblically illiterate ministry that we're gonna know God's word and live out God's word. <laughs> And in our world, I think we like to pick and choose what truth is, and we like to define how God is good, and we like to set the narrative. But as culture kind of changes and, and, and goes, there's all these like different trends. And God is the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be a thousand years from now. And so the goodness of God and the truth of God is wrapped up in who he is, not what we feel or what we think that we should dictate that to be. That's in God's word. He goes on and say, they will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamb and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. Hell is a nonstop eternal fire, torturous suffering and unending pain. There's no more beauty, no more peace, no more hope, no more gospel, no more, no more hope, no more chances, no more relationship with God, no nothing. One of my mentors several years ago said, you know, Alex, there's a couple of things I can't do when I'm in heaven. I can't sin and I can't go reach lost people. I can't reach lost people anymore. Gosh, the gospel matters. That's the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel admits that nobody is good. Our culture loves to say everyone's good. Well, that's a good person. They give to charity, they donate. That person, they're not mean, they're not rude. Like, how could they end up in a place being separate from God forever? See, the truth is, is that nobody is good. Only God is good. God is perfect. God is holy. God is just. And here's just a couple verses I'm just going to fly through that show the, the, the nature and the character of, of the truth of who God is, his love and his truth. This is for Romans 3.23. And maybe, maybe for you in this room, you're like, yeah, I, I've kind of read these verses before. I've kind of sat on these before. But I hope that maybe these bring fresh life to you. 
that this would reignite something in your heart and in your soul. Allow this word of God, allow these couple passages of scripture to just ignite something in you. In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Last one, Romans 5. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So thank God that it's not because of my effort or because of what I can bring or because of what I can do, but God would just so love the world that he sent his one and only son. Thank you, Jesus, for the gospel that I don't have to spend forever in hell and be separate from God, but that I can actually experience him right here, right now. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the other side of God's heart. It's not just, it's truth and love. That God so loved you that he wanted you to have a relationship with him. And I get it. I grew up in the church. I I heard all the stories. I sat in Sunday school. I went to student ministry. I was a part of all the, the camps and the retreats and the conferences. I was a part of all that stuff. And for me, I gave my life to Jesus at an early age. I gave my life to Christ when I was super young and it didn't actually impact me until I was in college. (laughs) Something about the truth and the love of God didn't really impact me until I was in college. And I remember my first year at university, I was at a Bible school. I didn't go because I had hopes of being a pastor. I didn't go because I had hopes to one day be in ministry. The only reason why I went to a Bible school was because I wanted to know God more. That's the only reason. And I remember one of my first couple weekends there, Gosh, there's something powerful when God's love just comes upon you, isn't it? I remember being in someone's apartment. It was super out of the ordinary. They invited us to come down and they just had a spontaneous little worship night. They were talking about... Just the presence of God, it's something I never really tangibly experienced before. And there was lots of addiction that I had in my past, lots of pain and, and, and just feeling like I was so absent from God. I remember just feeling the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit for the first time is so freeing. It's so liberating. I didn't have to carry my shame anymore. I didn't have to carry guilt anymore. I didn't have to carry my past anymore that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's because of Jesus and what he came to do that he offers that freedom, that the price that I should have paid, the death that I should have been, oh, Jesus came and did that for me. That now I get to have eternal life with him. It says this in Luke 15. And Jesus told him this parable. This is a parable. There's a couple parables in this passage, but he goes on to say this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? 
And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. See, Jesus didn't come for those who try to be religious. Jesus didn't come for those that just try to be righteous and do it on your own. Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came for me. He came for you. Jesus died for you. You're the lost sheep. (laughs) Jesus would relentlessly go pursue the one and all of heaven would celebrate. And I believe there's (laughs) gonna be two groups of people in this room. I think there's people who, you grew up in the church and you you experienced church hurt. (laughs) You've been through all that stuff, you know it. You know all the stories, you know all the stuff, you've grew up in it and, and now you've just dismissed church, you've dismissed God. Why, why, what's the point of Jesus? I think God might be inviting you and tugging on your heart into something tonight to maybe commit to him, to surrender to him, to not be try to live for yourself and be in control of yourself, but really to just come to know God and who he is and say, God, you're the Lord of my life. I'm not, God, you're the one who's on the throne. Maybe for you in this room, you are a believer. And maybe you feel like you just drifted far from God. It's been a while, maybe since you've been at church, been a while since you've taken your faith seriously. It's been a while since you've really been committed to following Jesus. And and I hope and pray that this gospel would ignite something in your own heart again, that God would begin to do a shift right now in your own heart, that the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to you. And maybe for the other group in this room, you have no idea who Jesus is. You never met Jesus, you don't know Jesus. You're still trying out this whole church thing. You're like, I don't know what C12 is. I don't, never heard of 12 Stone. I'm just here because a friend invited me. I saw it on their Instagram. I, I, I just thought I'd come by. I'm just trying to look for hope somewhere in this world. And maybe I'll just give one last shot tonight at, at, at something. And I wanted us to read a, a prayer all together. Either this is the first time you're praying it. Maybe this is, you're already a believer and this is just gonna ignite something in you and that God would just so stir something in you. But maybe for those in this room, you've never said yes to Jesus. And maybe tonight God is just inviting you into a relationship. You have free will. You have to choose. And God's offering the invitation. Son, daughter, would you come back to me? He's been relentlessly pursuing you, relentlessly chasing you because he loves you so much that he doesn't wanna leave you where he found you. But I want us all to say this prayer out loud together. Maybe you're about to say this prayer for the first time. Maybe you said it before and you as a follower of Jesus, you just say this prayer. So we're all gonna say it out loud together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. Right now, I turn from my sins and open the door of my heart and life. I confess you as my personal Lord and Savior. Come on. (laughs) Maybe for you in this room, you needed that. Maybe for you as a follower of Jesus, you needed that. I'm gonna ask you to stand in this room. And there's a couple, there's cards that you got on the way in. Maybe tonight you just have to, you have to deal with God on some stuff. 
Like, God, I'm not, I haven't been taking this whole faith thing, this faith thing seriously. God, I haven't been actually following you 100%. God, I actually haven't really surrendered my life to you. God, I actually haven't committed my life to following you for the rest of my days. And on that response card, you can just fill that out. And God, I'm just willing to rededicate my life to you. God, I'm willing to say yes to you for the very first time. We want to give you a chance to do that, to have a moment with God right there in your seat. So God, we just come before you. God, we just pray. God, even continuously over this night, God, I pray. It's not what I say, God. It's not because of the words that I bring, but God, it's because of the truth and what that brings to people. God, it's your Holy Spirit is the one that actually convicts. The Holy Spirit is actually the one that brings freedom. And so God, I pray right now, you begin to speak to people individually. God, would you come down? God, I pray for people in this room who they've already said yes to Jesus, but they've wandered from him. They've been so far from him. They haven't taken things seriously. God, I pray that you would reignite something in them. God, would you reignite the hunger and the fire in their own heart, God, to just keep saying yes to you, God, to keep going, to keep following you. God, I pray for those in this room who said yes to Jesus for the very first time. God, I pray you'd speak so intimately to them. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12 Stuff. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.